to our Come Follow Me study here, here at spiritualcrusade.com. My name is Debbie, and today we are doing 2 Nephi 31 through 33. You guys, these chapters are really special because they're kind of the extra chapters. Like, Nephi thought he was going to be done, and then he gives us like this extra three chapters that I don't think he had originally planned on sharing with us, um, which is so awesome because I, I feel like anytime a leader like thinks like goes to sit down or something. I had this happen one time actually where a stake president went to sit down and then got back up and was like, I feel impressed. I need to say a few more things. And that was the best part of the message. Like that was, it was like, that was so inspired. So whenever we get that like extra, like I feel like I have a little bit more the Lord wants me to say, really open your ears and your eyes <laughs> and pay attention. Cause those are really special when we get that extra stuff. Um, so today we are reading, uh, we're going to learn about the doctrine of Christ. And that's where he's going to be like, I feel like this is the area I need to kind of spend a few more minutes in. Because if you think about it, um, 2 Nephi 30, 18, he says, And now, my beloved brethren, I make an end of my sayings. And then again, in chapter 31, 1, he says, And now I, Nephi, make an end of my prophesying unto you, my beloved brethren. And then he goes on in verse 2 to say, Wherefore the things which I have written sufficeth me. I feel really good about what I've written. Save it be a few words which I must speak concerning the doctrine of Christ. So he's like, I feel good about my writings, but there's a little bit more I need to share here about the doctrine of Christ, which I love because we're going to get that little extra, that oh, extra nuggets of truth. We're also going to talk today about what do we do now. I feel like there's this point in where we all are like, that was an awesome lesson. That was an awesome message. But what do I do now? Right? Haven't we all felt that before? And he's going to share with us today what to do next. And then we're also going to talk about perceived weaknesses. Nephi is going to share with us a weakness he has. And we're going to talk about perceived weaknesses and what to do with them. So much fun stuff. So we just have to jump right in. We're going to jump to 5, verse 5, where he begins to talk about baptism. And he's going to talk, teach us here about how our Savior Jesus Christ was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And I just have to read it because it's just that good. So grab your red pens or red pencils. And now, if the Lamb of God, he being holy, and here we just, just add the word perfect, he being absolutely perfect, should have need to be baptized by water to fulfill all righteousness. Oh, then how much more need... Um, I lost my place. <laughs> Have we been unholy to be baptized, yea, even by water? So here he's like, he was perfect. And if he needed to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness, how much more do we need to be baptized? It's a lot. Like, we need to be baptized. Um, and then he's going to go on to talk about an eight. Wherefore, after he was baptized with water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. So we are going to be learning about the first principles and ordinances of the gospel here. Just like an article of faith for, <laughs> we're going to learn about faith, repentance, baptism, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he is going to add in here, enduring to the end. So we're going to see all of it, right? So Jesus Christ was perfect and he still needed to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness, to follow that commandment, to be obedient to the Lord. You actually see that in verse 7. Um, I didn't read it, but in verse 7 it says, um, let's see here. He humbleth himself before the Father and witnessed, witnesseth unto the Father that he would be obedient unto him in keeping his commandments. So him being baptized was saying, I will be obedient to all your commandments. That is it, like key. His obedience is key to, I mean, Jesus Christ was obedient in all things, right? 
Um, and then uh, we already read eight where he receives the Holy Ghost. Um, and then verse nine, it says, and again, it showeth unto the children of men the straightness of the path and the narrowness of the gate by which they should enter, he having set the example before them. Jesus Christ set the perfect example. And his example is what we should follow. And we're going to see those words right next in 10. And he said unto the children of men, follow thou me. Come, do as I have done. Let me show you how to be perfectly obedient. Let me show you what's important. And baptism is important. So follow me. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, can we follow Jesus? Say we shall be willing to keep the commandments of the Father? Question mark. Like he was willing to keep the commandments of the Father and be baptized even though he was perfect. So don't you think that we should also follow <laughs> the commandments of our Father? Because we're definitely not perfect. So we need it even more. And then um, 11 and 12, we're going to hear from both the Father and then we're going to hear from the Son. Okay? Father in 11. And the Father said, Repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of my beloved Son. That came from our Father in heaven. And here's from the Son. 12. And also the voice of the Son came unto me, saying, He that is baptized in my name, to him will the Father give the Holy Ghost like unto me. Wherefore, follow me, and do the things which ye have seen me do. I don't know why I just love that verse. I have it circled, just in case any of you guys were wondering. I have it circled. So follow me and do the things which you have seen me do. It's so good. So here we have both the Father and the Son saying, "Be repent, be baptized. And then in 13, we're going to see a little bit more about this idea of repentance and how we need to do this with um, a, like a sincere heart. Not just, oh, we're going to be baptized. We're just going to like, we're told to be baptized, so let's be baptized. But let's be sincere about our decision to follow our Savior, Jesus Christ. So wherefore, my beloved brethren, I know that if you shall follow the Son with full purpose of heart, um, acting no hypocrisy, I can't even say that word, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent. So think sincere, okay, with sincerity. Repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father, that you are willing to take upon you the name of Christ by baptism. Yea, by following your Lord and your Savior down into the water. Okay, first of all, I love that imagery of following the Lord and your Savior down into the waters. I just feel like, you know, when we go, when we when we do take that step, we don't actually like, probably like sit, literally think of ourselves following him down into the waters. But I love that imagery of following him down into the waters. Um, according to his word, behold, then shall you receive the Holy Ghost. So do it sincerely. Don't just do it because you're like, okay, well, I'm supposed to do it, so I'm just going to check it off. But like, truly repent of your sins and follow your Savior down into the water, and then you shall receive the Holy Ghost. In the next four verses, we're going to see kind of a back and forth on um, how, cannot be saved and can be saved. This those things that, you know, if you do this, you can't be saved. If you do this, you can be saved. So... We're going to go back and forth. In 14, if you get baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, do all these things, and then you deny him, it says in the last line, it would have been better for you that you had not known me. So that's the like, cannot be saved part. And then 15, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. So that's what he wants us to do. Instead of doing all these things and then just like falling off, he wants us to endure to the end. That's his whole goal here is to teach us to endure to the end. Um, and then in 16, we see that again, unless you shall endure to the end, you cannot be saved. And then in 17, 
Um, this one's really fun, so I'm just going to read it. Wherefore, do the things which I have told you I have seen that your Lord and Redeemer should do. And I really, really love the wording there because you, you see here that he has seen his Savior and Redeemer. And we know he's had visions. We've seen, uh, we've read about some of his visions, but I love the wording here. Like, do the things which I have told you I have seen. I have personally witnessed and seen not because I was there, but because I have been shown that your Lord and Redeemer should do. Do those things, the things that I know that your Lord and Redeemer would do. For for this cause have they been shown unto, unto me. Sorry, uh, let me try that again. For for this cause have they been shown unto me that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. This is the reason I was shown these things. This is the reason that they opened my eyes to see my Lord and Redeemer and his journey so that I can share it with you. This is Jacob's, or um, Nephi speaking. So that you would know the gate by which you should enter. I just love it. I love the wording. For the gate by which you should enter is repentance and baptism by water. And then cometh a remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. Isn't that so good? So he's teaching us that path, that gate. And he's saying, I was shown these things so I might help you understand that gate by which to enter. So follow those things. And then in 19, he's going to ask the big question, right? He <laughs> says, and now my beloved brethren, after you've gone into this straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Is that it? I got baptized, received the gift of the Holy Ghost, done and done. Is that it? No, it's not it. He says, uh, let's see, where does it say? Behold, I say unto you, nay, which means no. Nope, that's not it. Um, for if you have come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ with unshaken faith. Now, I love this part because we have seen a lot about repentance and baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, but faith is Nephi's message throughout the scriptures. He wants us to have faith in our Savior Jesus Christ, and that's what he shares everywhere in his writings is faith in Jesus Christ. So it's so important that we recognize that that is just embedded in his teachings. So anyway, here we are. For you have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. I have mighty to save in like circled. It's one of my favorite things to tell myself when I'm just really worried about someone. I just, I love to remind myself that um, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is mighty to save. He is the ultimate savior and he can save them. He can save anyone. He is mighty to save. So here he's saying, uh, I love the words, unshaken faith, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save, relying on the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ. Um, there he, number 20, wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope. I think hope is so important, especially as hard times are coming. And I know, you know, we see the signs of the times and we, it's so easy to just get kind of wrapped up in this like fear, you know, like, oh no, <laughs> what if that, you know, what if those disasters come here? Or if, what if that happens, uh, you know, here to us? And here he's saying, um, a perfect brightness of hope. Have hope in your Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, hardships might come, but keep that faith. Keep that hope. Don't let go of that hope. And I love it. And then he goes on. And the love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ. So important. Do not just fast forward past that line. 
feasting upon the words of Christ are so important. We're going to learn more about that in the next chapter. Um, and endure to the end. Behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. We went kind of back and forth a little earlier about cannot be saved, saved, cannot be saved. <laughs> and here he's saying, this is how you can be saved. Do these things. Have total faith in your Savior, Jesus Christ. Rely, um, what do you say? Rely wholly upon him who is mighty to save. Have perfect faith in him. Feast upon his words in the scriptures. Endure to the end. And if you do these things, um, along with your baptism and um, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you do these things, ye shall have eternal life. And now, in 21, and now, behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is none other way, nor name given under heaven, whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now, behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and the only and true doctrine of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God, without end. Amen. Now, I want to I want to just pause here with the whole one God thing. Whenever you guys see, because throughout scriptures, we see this idea of um, them being one God. So this is the way that I, all, I like to think about it. So we know that they're three separate beings. We know that. And the scriptures are full of them being three se separate beings. And Joseph Smith, when, he, when they came to him, they were two separate, you know, he saw God the Father and the Son, um, Jesus Christ. So we know they're separate beings. So when the scriptures say they're one God, I want you guys to think about unity because we are different than Greek mythology. Their gods all had different roles. They had different responsibilities. And so they were, the, the, you know, you've got Zeus and, you know, the God of nature and the God of the sea. And I don't know because I don't know a ton about it, but their gods all had their different roles. So they were different gods with a different role and a different responsibility. And so they could not call them one God because they all were so separate and divided, right? We have three separate beings that have one goal in mind, and that is the salvation of mankind. This is their work and their glory. They are unified completely. We do not have one God of the seas, one God of nature, one God of, you know, we have a very unified Godhead. They have one goal in mind, and that is us. We are their goal. They want to bring us back to them. And so whenever you see that idea of one God, just remember this separates us from the idea of like Greek mythology. They don't have separate roles. They have one role. They are unified. Three separate beings, but a perfect, perfect unity in their one goal, which is us and our salvation. So I feel like that's really important to mention right there. Okay, now moving on to um, chapter 32, we're going to talk about this. What do we do now? So he's taught this amazing, amazing, um, he's given like this conference talk on the doctrine of Christ, right? And it's awesome. It's like perfect. And then he's like, okay, I perceive that you guys don't know what to do next. <laughs> Let's just read it. I suppose that you ponder somewhat in your hearts concerning that which you should do after you've entered in by the way. When you see that phrase entered in by the way, we have been taught that that's like that path, that baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, we know that there's a covenant path. And that's just the beginning of the covenant path. There are more things on the covenant path, right? But here we've entered. We've entered this covenant path. So we've entered in by the way. And now he's like, behold, why do you ponder these things in your heart? In, in your hearts, okay? So he's like, 
I'm perceiving that you don't know what to do now, right? <laughs> You've been baptized, you received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're really motivated, you're, you're excited, but what do we do? And I know that feeling. I, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've like come out of like a state conference or a general conference or even a sacrament meeting and I'm like so inspired and so pumped up, but then it's like, I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know where to go with my like inspiration. I don't know what to do next. He is gonna teach us what to do next. And it's so awesome. So two and three, verses two and three, he's gonna talk about this idea of the whole, of the um, speaking with the tongues of angels and how they speak um, by the power of the Holy Ghost. So um, those that's really powerful. I think that's awesome to understand that even the angels of heaven speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. So we want that Holy Ghost with us, but even the angels of heaven speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. So let's just read it. Do not remember that I said unto you that after you have received the Holy Ghost, you could speak with the tongue of angels? And now, how could you speak with the tongue of angels, save it were by the Holy Ghost? How could you speak with, you know, the tongue of angels if you didn't have the Holy Ghost? Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, they speak the words of Christ. Now, here's the action word. You have to, when you read the scriptures, especially when you're answering questions, you've got to point out or pull out of them the actions, like what do they want us to do? Here it is. Wherefore I said unto you, feast upon the words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what ye should do. So if you ever get to that point where you're like, I am so inspired, I am so pumped up, but now what? <laughs> you can always rely on these two things he's going to teach us. One, go feast upon the words of Christ. Go read your scriptures. And if you don't have a specific spot you're in, open them up and find a spot. You can start, you know, somewhere, or you can just open them up and pray and ask, you know, what would you get have me get out of this today? You're like, what would you have me do? And just start reading. Go to the scriptures, search them, read them. They are so powerful. So the first thing, or one of the things, I don't think there's like one before the other, but one of the things he's really trying to teach them is, this is what you do next. Feast upon the words of Christ. Okay, now he's going to give us um, kind of the, this is what you're not doing. Twice he's going to say, this is what you're not doing. And then in two different points, he's going to say, this is what you should be doing. Okay, so verse three was, this is what you should be doing. Feast upon the words of Christ. Verse four, he's going to say, this is the, like, this is not what you're doing. You're not doing this. So wherefore, now after I have spoken these words, if you cannot understand them, it will be because you ask not, neither do you knock. You're not like, go pray about it, right? You're not praying to understand my words. So that's the, this is what you're not doing spot, okay? Um, now, we're gonna jump over to another spot where he's like, this is also what you're not doing <laughs> in seven. And now I need, if I cannot say more, the spirit stoppeth my utterance. And later on he says, for they will not search knowledge nor understand great knowledge. And there's that searching. You are not searching the scriptures. So he's now giving us two things they're not doing. You're not asking, you're not praying, and you're not turning to the scriptures. So you turn to the Lord, search the scriptures, because that is, you're going to find the Lord's words in them, right? So he's given us like, you're not praying, you're not reading the scriptures. But so what's the second thing he wants us to do? We've already talked about it because he said you're not doing it, but we're going to still get the, here's what you should do. Verse 8. And now, my beloved brethren, I perceive that ye ponder still in your hearts, and it grieveth me that I must speak concerning this thing. For if you would hearken unto the Spirit, who teaches, which teaches a man to pray, ye would know that ye must pray. For the evil, te evil spirit teacheth not a man to pray, but he teaches him that he must not pray. 
So those are the two actions. Pray and feast upon the words of Christ. Those are the two things he's like, this is what you can do now. This is what you can do next. Anytime you've ever been in that moment where you're like, I feel so inspired and so excited, but I just don't know what, I don't know where to go with this feeling. You can always turn to prayer, read your scriptures, find, like go to your savior, talk to him, ask him. And as you pray, we didn't read it, but in verse five, it says, um, for behold, again, I say unto you that if you enter in by the way, which I already talked about, you're entering in that on that path and receive the Holy Ghost, it will show unto you all things what you should do. When you pray, you give the, the Holy Ghost an opportunity to tell you what to do next. So that is the moment where you're like, okay, what do I do next? And you go and ask, you go pray about it. And that the spirit will like teach you all things. So now we've, we've had both um, the words of Christ will teach you all things you must do and the Holy Ghost will teach you all things you must do. Bottom of three and five, both of those, you will find your answers to your prayers. You can find them in the scriptures and you can find them through prayer by the power of the Holy Ghost. He will speak to your heart and your mind and you will know all things that you must do. You will find your answers um, and combine them. I would definitely suggest combining them. I like to read, to pray first and then read. And then you can pray again, however much you want to pray. You never can pray too much. We could pray all day long. In fact, we're going to learn about that right now. So let's learn about prayer. Nine, but behold, I say unto you that ye must pray always and not faint. And you must not perform anything unto the Lord, save in the first place you should pray unto the Father in the name of Christ, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee, that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. So as members of the church, I think it kind of becomes, um, it's just habitual, we just do it naturally, sometimes without even thinking, that we bless our food before we eat it. We want the Lord to bless the food, right? Like, please bless this food. Well, I think that he's trying to say here that that applies to everything, anything we do, we can go, we need to go to the Lord first and ask his blessing upon it. Like bless whatever it is we're doing that it will consecrate, that he will consecrate that performance for our good. Isn't that so good? So just invite him to bless anything that you're doing. <laughs> just invite him in, invite him <laughs> to bless it because anything that has, um, anything that we involve the Lord in, will flourish so much more and become so much more beautiful and so much more meaningful. So we need to invite the Lord into all that we do. Chapter 33, this is where we're gonna to begin to talk about the perceived weaknesses. He's gonna share with us his weakness. We're gonna talk about weaknesses a little bit. So verse one, and now I, Nephi, cannot write all the things which were taught, which were taught among my people, neither am I mighty in writing. Now, like unto speaking, now he's gonna clarify that, okay? He's gonna say, for when a man speaketh by the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost carrieth it unto the hearts of the children of men. So when we speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, it's able to really penetrate those that are, are listening. Then verse two, we're gonna learn that sometimes when people are reading it, that they they just cast it off. They just, they, they don't, they harden their hearts and they, they don't listen. Or it's not like they're listening, they're reading. So they often don't get, get it the same way. They don't feel it the same way, okay? But behold, there are many that harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit, that it hath no place in them. Wherefore, they cast many things away which are written and esteem them as things of naught. So here it's hard for him because he's like, I'm trying to write this stuff, but I'm not mighty in writing. This is not my weak. This is not my strength. This is a weakness. Um, now, we're going to see this weakness again. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more in verse 4. 
So I want to read verse 3 first though. And I, Nephi, have written what I have written, and I esteem it of great worth. Here he's saying that there are many that will esteem it as no worth, and will just cast it aside. But he's like, I testify to you, it's of great worth. This is of great worth. Okay, um, let's continue. And especially unto my people, for I pray continually for them by day, and mine eyes water my pillow by night because of them. And I cry unto my God in faith, and I know that he will hear my prayer, my cry. And I love in verse 4, we're going to see that consecrate. Remember I said the Lord can bless whatever it is we're doing. He can consecrate that performance. We're going to see that. And I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people. Here we really see the love of Nephi. His absolute love. He is not just praying for them. He is crying. He is watering his pillow for them. There is so much love for his people. Now let's, we're going to read a little bit about his weakness. And the words which I have written in weakness will be made strong unto them. The words which I have written in weakness will be made strong unto them. Whatever perceived weakness you or I have, the Lord can make it strong. Here he feels like writing might be a weakness of his, but he has total faith that the Lord will consecrate his efforts and make it strong. Okay, I love this because there are so many things that we feel like we can't do because we're, we have a weakness, like we're scared, right? Like I am maybe, you might say I'm nervous to talk to my neighbors about the church because I'm really not good. I'm not good at talking about it. I'm not good about... I'm not good at wording it. I'm not like, we get all caught up in like, this is a weakness. Or like you might get, you know, um, maybe bearing a testimony on Sunday. Like, ah, I just, I don't think I can do it. I'm not good at, you know, speaking in front of people. Or people might not want to go on a mission because they think I have a weakness. I'm not, I'm not good at speaking. I'm not um, to people. Or whatever our perceived weaknesses are, the Lord can make them strong. Isn't that so good? And he does make them strong, especially if we pray about it so that he can consecrate our efforts. So I just feel like we shouldn't let our perceived weaknesses stop us. <laughs> Whatever they are, don't let them stop you. If you have a thought or a feeling like, oh, I should go bear my testimony Sunday, or I should go share the gospel with my neighbor or whatever that thought is that comes to your mind and then automatically we put our weaknesses in front of it, don't do that. Just push them aside, say a prayer, and have faith that the Lord will consecrate that action for your gain and the gain of those that you're going to benefit. And then just go and do it. And he can make it strong. Okay, now he's going to give us five things that kind of wrap up. This is what my words, like this is what my words are about. And this, they've been made strong and this is what they, this is what they teach you. Okay, so if we could like summarize Nephi's words in like five things this is what he this is what he um he summarizes them in four we're still in verse four for it persuaded them to do good he's speaking here of his words his writings right which we have in the book of Mormon. for it persuaded them to do good it maketh known unto them of their fathers so we have a history of these people we have a history of nephi's people and so we were taught to do good and we have a history now of their people and it speaketh of jesus everywhere his words speak of jesus everywhere and persuaded them to believe in him. That's the, his most important message throughout all of his writings. He is always trying to persuade us to believe in our Savior Jesus Christ. And then he says, and to endure to the end, which is life eternal. So he's like, this is what I'm trying to teach you. I've given you a history of the people. Do good. Believe in your Savior Jesus Christ and endure to the end. 
Isn't that so powerful? And then at the end, he's like, believe my words, please, please believe my words. And if you don't believe me, believe in Christ. At least believe in Christ, even if you don't believe me. But then he's like, but if you do believe in Christ, then you'll believe my words because my words are the words of Christ. Let's read it. It's powerful. And now my beloved brethren, and also Jew and all ye ends of the earth, so everybody, hearken unto these words and believe in Christ. And if you believe not in these words, believe in Christ. So even if you don't believe me, believe in Christ. But then he goes on to say, and if you shall believe in Christ, ye will believe in these words, for they are the words of Christ. Um, and he hath given them unto me, and they teach all men that they should do good. And if they are not the words of Christ, judge ye. For Christ will show unto you with power and great glory that they are his words at the last day. And you and I shall stand face to face before his bar. And ye shall know that I have been commanded of him to write these things, notwithstanding my weakness. Notwithstanding his weakness. He was commanded to write these things. He did not let his weakness stand in his way. He did it anyway. And we too should not let our weaknesses stand in our way. Whatever the Lord is asking you to do, whatever he puts into your mind that is a good thing to do, do it anyway. Even if all your fears like come into play and they all come in the front and they're like, oh, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that and that makes me a little nervous and I'm really not good at that. Don't worry about that. Push that all away. Do it anyway. Pray about it. And let the Lord consecrate that action for your, your good and the good of those who you do it for. Don't let our perceived weaknesses stop us because the Lord can make us strong. And I say that to all of you guys in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We start next week in Jacob. So I hope you all join me then. See ya.